You're listening to the newest trend in conservative Christian radio. Obviously, when I first got there, I didn't like it. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to have anything to do with church and stuff. And like I've told other people before, too, I threw my Bibles away. I think being there, God became more real to us as a family. My dad would be like, see, this you think God's going to leave us? No. Sure. Welcome to Questions for Chicago with your host, Sean Duncan. Hey everyone, Sean Duncan, your host here. We actually have a very special treat for all of you. We got to interview Sam Sampson and Sarah Vasquez, who are missionaries to the Philippines. And we talked all about their experience, the journey, and what it took to do all the things that they were able to do in the Philippines. And it's really, really cool. You're not going to want to miss one second of it. Here it comes right now. Welcome, everyone. We have a special treat today. We are with some very special people, and we're going to talk to them about who they are and what they do, what they've experienced. And you are not going to want to miss any of this at all. Of course, you know what we do on the show. We go to downtown Chicago. We talk to people about random things. But what we're doing right now is we're going to stay in studio and we're going to talk with people who have a very interesting perspective. And it's going to be very, very fun. We have two missionaries from the Philippines. They actually grew up a little bit here. They'll talk more about their story in a little bit. But they grew up a little bit here in the States and then moved over to the Philippines because that's where their parents were from and their family wanted to start a church. And so they have so many cool things to say, and I'm just going to introduce them, talk a little bit about what they do right now, and then we'll get into what they've experienced and get on into all that cool stuff too. So to my left right here is Sarah Vasquez. She's recently married, of course, originally Sarah Sampson. And of course, next to her is her brother, Sam Sampson. And so Sarah, we'll start with you. What's going on with your life right now? And uh, like, uh, what are you doing as far as college, your age and all that stuff? stuff and, and uh, just kind of your ministry right now? Um, right now, I'm graduating next Sunday from Day Spring Bible College. I was made, I'm majoring in music and I'm a preschool teacher at our church right now. Nice. Yeah, there you go. And then Sam, what, what's, what's your situation right now and what are you doing? Ooh, well, that's a hard one. I do a lot of stuff. So let me start from the beginning. So my, um, my main job that I do a lot of in is, is, uh, I work in janitorial, mm-hmm. clean stuff, clean toilets. Humble. It's the fun part. Yeah. Yeah. But I do a lot of work with um, kids. I work with kids and I work with YouTube mm-hmm. uh, for our church and stuff. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Sure. I work yeah. with RU and stuff. Does some tech recovery. producing for the yeah. show sometimes. Mm-hmm. And of course, you might recognize Sam was on the pre-show last week and it was a great conversation. We got a, a little bit in just a few details about being a missionary to the Philippines, but now we're going to go in depth and it's going to be really, really fun. Now, what year did you guys leave? 2010. 2010. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what age were both of you? I was 14 and Sam, you were... No, I was 12 and you were 13. I'm pretty sure. 12 and 13. Okay. So you're packing... All you know is that you're packing up your stuff and your family wants to start a church. What else was going on in your mind at that age when you're packing up to leave from here, Chicago, that's where they're from originally, to go to the Philippines? Like what what thoughts, what did you think you were going to do? Like what what all was going through your mind, Sarah? Um. Well, I was scared. Sure. I thought I was going to die there. <laughs> and I was thinking, hmm, maybe let's not. Yeah. But, you know, from the stories you hear, the, the things you see, 
it doesn't exactly justify what it really is actually over there. Sure. Just thinking but, about it beforehand and then actually doing yeah. it. It's, it's a sharp you, contrast. Yeah. Sure. Sam, what were you thinking? Well, I was at a very carefree age. Like sure. for me, it was basically, oh, I'm moving to another country. Well, Sam, oh, you're well, a very carefree yeah. person. I yeah. am a very, general. In general, yeah. 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 <laughs> but at that age, I really didn't <laughs> care at all. Oh, yeah. So sure. like at that point, I didn't really, I didn't have like, oh my gosh, these friends I can't live out, live without. I was you know, I was just basically yeah, friends was with everybody. Yeah. But then for her, I think it was a little different, a little bit different because she was a lot more closer with her friends and, you know. Sure. Yeah. What were your friends telling you? What were they thinking? Um, They didn't really have much to say about it. Sure. Honestly, I don't even remember. Because they don't really go through the experience. Yeah. They don't get it like you do. Like what, what were some of the f- things your friends were telling you? Uh, that they'll never see me again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They just said they didn't really know what to say to me because they've never been there. Sure. And they've never really seen anything like that. And sure. stuff. so, yeah. What was your reaction when you, when the decision was made, your mom and your dad sit you down and say, we're doing this, it's happening. Like, what was your initial thought? Um, for me, it was basically like, yeah, you know, I was, I was, I was totally fine with changing it up, but it was a different story when we got there. But when we, when uh, we were in the process of it, it was kind of sad at the end. But sure. in the process, I was I didn't really care. I mean, like sure. I said, but Sam doesn't care. Yeah, I, don't <laughs> care. I could go anywhere. He didn't for, have a hard time. Period in, in yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs> Sarah, what was your initial reaction when we got there? When you first oh, heard, when we first heard that the plan was, has has been solidified. Um, I ran up to my room when my parents told me, and I cried, and I locked the door, and I didn't sure. come down for the rest of the night, and then. Um, I just remember thinking, whoa, everything's going to change and it's for real. And it's not just something that pop is talking about. It's going to actually happen. Yeah, I'm sure. Wow. Like even, even from my perspective, I can think about when I was a kid, but just hearing news like that, I, I don't know exactly what I would do. And I think it's safe to say you guys handled it well. So then you're going through the process, you're, you're packing up your house you know, you know that you're about to go somewhere. You're not going to be seeing these familiar things anymore. Was there a moment you thought of, or is there a moment that you remember during the whole process of leaving that, that you really just, something hit you like, or did it kind of just hit right away? Um, Sam was carefree. Of course we know. Yeah, I don't know. Wait, you're talking about the end or like when any time during the process before you left? Oh, I mean, what about you? Was there any moment like with your friends that you were just like, man, this is happening and I can't stop yeah. it or anything like that. I think it really hit me when my mom started crying on the plane. That's when it was like, oh, okay, wow, this is this is it. No turning back. We're on the plane. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to go there and you can't turn around anymore. But yeah, sure. I think that what also was like, wow, this is happening was when we got off the plane and you just like felt like the heat yeah, on your clothes. And that was the biggest. Yeah. Thing. That was like, what is I've never felt that before. Sure. It was yeah. like, it was dead center in the middle of summer in the Philippines. Oh, and yeah. that's the worst. That's like humid mm-hmm. to the core, sticky, dusty. And that's what we felt right when we got off the plane. Yeah, I'm sure. So let's talk about that day. You guys eventually had to, the day came when you were getting on the plane. I was actually there and mm-hmm. I know we haven't revealed oh, yeah. this yet, yeah. but I am their cousin. 
And uh, of course, we all went to the airport. We we got to stay there a long time. We mm. yeah, we were actually like close to the gate and stuff. I remember mm-hmm. sitting. Yeah, we went and really early. We ate food and stuff. And um, I remember I I wasn't that close to you guys. Nothing mm-hmm. really impacted me. But describe the day of leaving and, and all that you can remember from it. Oh, well, there's one thing that I remembered. Uh, it was it was pretty sad. Because everybody was uh, basically like crying and my parents, my mom was like sobbing and then Sarah was crying and then I was sitting there. I wasn't crying. Yeah. <laughs> but then you were uh, carefree. <laughs> at, at, at the airport, um, what I remembered was my aunt gave my mom um, a gift package to bring onto the paint, onto the plane mm-hmm. that looked like a bomb. <laughs> and I was like, that's what I remembered from it. It was pretty funny because it was like in the shape of like. You know how they make bombs in like sure. boxes. Yeah. Yes. Deep thoughts. Yeah. Deep missionary thoughts from <laughs> yeah. Sam Samson. Definitely. Sarah, what do you remember from that day? Um, from that day, I just remember the whole plane ride. I just prayed and said, you know what, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what to expect. I'm expecting a jungle. <laughs> yeah. I'm literally expecting to live on boards. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just remember the whole plane ride. I like the only thing I could do was to either pray or cry. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. if I didn't pray, I was gonna cry. Yeah. So, and I knew that I had to, um, you know, act a little more mature and be like, "Well, this is it, and God's sure. gonna have to bring me through it." Sure. Yeah. There was one thing that I remembered a lot though. On the way there was my mom. Before we left, was telling us a lot of stories that were about, scary. That yeah. were really scary. Like she <laughs> oh, said, sure. she said, "You have to be. You have to really think about this." Because we're going there. Like you're going to be shot in the brother, middle of the road. My yeah. brother was walking down the street and then all of a sudden somebody shot his oh, friend. Oh, no. And I was like, oh. Comforting. Oh, <laughs> are we going to die? That's what I <laughs> But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I can't imagine. It's not something you want to hear when you're doing that. So you get on the plane. You're going. You're, you're, you're trying to cope through all of this. And be honest, as you left, do you think that your friends and the people that you left behind, do you think they really understood or did they really not understand what was going on as as to what you were feeling, what you were going through? Um, for me, like it was it was to me, if I were to say something about that point, it would be I didn't even know what to expect. Sure. So they wouldn't have. I don't think they would have been able to imagine sure. how would have, it would have felt to even move to another country. Sure. And, but they yeah. they like tried they tried, they tried. to understand mm-hmm. yeah and that's what people do they mm-hmm. try to understand what yeah. you're going through mm-hmm. but they're not quite going to get it in the mm-hmm. same way yeah so you fly to the Philippines you land you're there and now you got to start a church and many people un- don't understand it's hard enough to start a church anywhere yeah but let alone you're starting a church right where you just moved to a new country that you're not used to. You're looking for a house and then you're also starting a church. How would you describe trying to start a church in that situation? That was hard. Yeah. yeah. Because you had to start from the very beginning. And Mm -hmm. my dad knew a few people from the past. So he grabbed a few of them and contacted them and said like, hey, like I'm back. Um, Could we do a a Bible study? And so he tried to contact as many people as he could. And then after contacting people, he tried to just go on the streets and witness whoever and say hey i'm gonna do a bible study why don't you come over blah 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 do the to the kids hey why don't you guys come over too and stuff Mm -hmm. so and then it it started growing like the bible studies bible study started growing a little more and more Mm -hmm. and then to a point where i think it was like what 
yeah, like, like around, two months or three months after we yeah, moved there. Around two months. Then my dad just gathered all what fourteen of our Bible studies or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was like. And then we there. just had a church service, and then from then on, we started our church. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you? I mean, how it, it, it's it's not as simple, I guess, as like go out on the street, hand out some flyers, give some tracks, and then people will just show up. Yeah. I mean, oh it's yeah. Hard. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then people don't always stay either. Yeah. yeah. It was scary. Yeah. At the beginning, my dad told us, hey, we're going to go visitation. And I I never heard of the word visitation before. Yeah. Sure. Before we left. Okay. And uh, when, when he said that, I was like, are we just going to walk up to random people and say, hey, do you want to come to our church? Uh, <laughs> and he's like, yeah. Come to our church. I, <laughs> I didn't know. I was scared because I was like. I've never been to the Philippines. The people are already scary enough. They talk in a language I don't understand. Yeah. And we're going to ask them to go to our church. So that was kind of scary at at the beginning because I didn't know what to expect. But yeah, Yeah. it wasn't as scary. I got you. So, I mean, that's an amazing feat that your family was able to do. And that's short of of time to get people to come out. That's amazing. Of course, we we thank God for that as well. Let's talk about the language. Mm-hmm. And I know it's going to be different for both of you, yeah. but just each of you describe what was it like at first getting there? And obviously you're new to the language. It's not easy. You want to connect with people. You can't talk about connection and the language and how that all related. Well, when we got there though, we already knew Kapangpangan, which sure. was our parents' language and stuff. Sure. But when we got there, they said they don't speak that language, our generation, at least the younger ones, they all speak Tagalog. So we were like, sure. What is Tagalog? Yeah, and so we had to relearn that, and I think we only learned because we heard everything in that language, we saw everything in that language, mm-hmm. even like in- ingredients and sure. instructions were that language. So, like when we first got there, it felt like everybody was saying like, like you were they were Chinese or something, but you know. Sure, sure. Did you ever have moments where you like you're trying, like you want to connect with someone, or you want to talk, and the language just doesn't let it happen? Yeah, it was. It was. That was the hard part in the beginning because. We had never been made fun of before uh, for not being able to speak. Mm. And that was the hard part for both of us is that. Yeah, when we were made fun we of. Ma- we were made fun of a lot for not being able not to speak. Not just the Tagalog. way we speak, but the way we looked, the yeah. way we talked, because the we way we Because we were so different culturally. You mm-hmm. know, we grew up so different. And then it was hard to connect. But that, I think, motivated us a little bit more to, to get to know the language. Sure. But, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and being saturated with the language all around you, like you were saying, that helps. Yeah. And of course, Kampampangin is the regional language, and mm-hmm. then Tagalog would be the national language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and people are picking and choosing which one they want to speak, yeah. and yeah. you got to figure yeah. out what you want to speak. Like, say our family members are going to speak Kampampangin, mm-hmm. yeah. but then if you want to talk to someone on the street, you're probably going to use Tagalog, and it's it's interesting. And of course, other people are going to have different dialects in other regions, and so yeah. mm-hmm. that's kind of an interesting dynamic there. Yeah. So, you're learning the language, you're starting a church, and then, but you got to worry about your own lives, your personal lives, your mm-hmm. schooling. How did, how did that relate? And was it a struggle? How did you get through trying to figure out your own school, figure out your own learning, your own relationships, and also deal with being a missionary and trying to minister to others as well? How hard was that? Uh, how about you? Um, I think for me, it was hard because I didn't have motivation to do it because I didn't have friends around me. I wasn't at school to do it or, and I never had teachers Mm-hmm. For that, for the whole time we were there, we were just homeschooled. So for me, I think doing schoolwork was like, mm, yeah. I don't want to, I can't, or I was either too depressed or I was too, I felt too lonely and stuff. So sure. then I didn't want to do schoolwork, Yeah, but I yeah. don't know about you. Well, for me, it was like the whole social life and 
and uh, um, you know, school and and studying was so much different than we grew up with. It was like, you know, now we got to find a place to socialize, and then we got to find a place to um, do our schoolwork. They were totally different now, mm-hmm. and um, growing up, that's a little different and a little hard because uh, it would only we would only be able to talk to our friends like once a week, twice a week. And it was just a little bit different. We got tired of seeing each other throughout the day. Yeah. And like schoolwork was a drag Mm -hmm. because you'd wake up in the morning and then you'd pull out your schoolwork and then lay on your bed. And then all of a sudden, five minutes later, you fall asleep again. So, I mean, like. I hear you. Yeah. And it's not like you're going to get the same attention because your parents are Mm -hmm. are focusing on the ministry. too. They're also Mm -hmm. focusing on you, but it's a hard balance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, they're not like, you know, they don't have degrees in education. One day of the week. As a family day, so that yeah, yeah we had to set that aside and that eat one day and enjoy each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that's. Would you say that's important? Yeah, I think yeah. that was very important. Sure, if we didn't mm-hmm. have that, it would be a lot harder. Sure, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think without that, we wouldn't be able to encourage each other to keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. especially because of how hard it was to first start out by like being there. Right, but let's talk about heartbreaking moments because many people might not know as you go into the mission field and even in ministry, even in the States, it's a heartbreaking business. Mm-hmm. It, it mm-hmm. tugs on your emotions because you're investing in people yeah. and then you're being let down and then you're also feeling their pain. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's, it's, it's something that you can't avoid when you're doing this kind of work. What, what's yeah. this, what's a specific moment that you remember that just really broke your heart in that way? Yeah. So there's this um guy that, uh, I was kind of close to um, that I invited to camp to go to our youth camp that we went to back then. It was in, um, where was that? Laguna in the Philippines. And uh, this guy was from a hardcore, um, you know, terrible background. He was into gangs and drugs and alcohol and stuff. And uh, we were able to invite him out to go to our youth camp. Mm-hmm. And at that youth camp, he he dedicated his life to serve God and he wanted to go to Bible college and um, he would go to church all the time. And then he would uh, hang out there and just hang out with all of us there. And he started to get close to us. But then uh, a couple of weeks or it was like a couple of months later, probably he ended up um, not coming anymore for some reason. And it, it kind of made me, it kind of broke my heart because we put so much time and effort and we really thought he was going to make it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then a couple months later, um, he was back into drugs and alcohol. And um, he ended up um, getting a girl pregnant. And now he's, you know, basically doing that still to this day. And that was kind of a heartbreaking moment because I really sure. thought I was going to make it. Yeah. Um, I think some of the things that like broke my heart when we were there um, was seeing kids begging on the street, mm-hmm. um, seeing, oh, and one time there was this guy, he, his back was like all, I don't even know how to describe it, like hunched and he had a long beard and everything and he was, he had nothing really on and stuff and he was begging. And so two years ago, me and your wife went to mm-hmm. the Philippines and I saw the same guy. Wow. And the same, same road wow. too. And that like broke my heart. Like, wow, you're, you're still here. You're yeah. still doing that. 
and stuff. And I don't know, just seeing people, I've seeing people just mm-hmm, die sure. in front of us and seeing people, um, I don't know, um, get sick. And then sure. we end up going to the hospital to pray for them and, right. and then witness to them. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, we're at their funeral. Um, and seeing like, like I said before, little kids begging on the streets and then giving their money to their parents so that they can go and buy alcohol or whatever yeah, they sure. were going to gamble with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was this one yeah. time where, um, it was really sad for all of us because there was this one guy that, uh, visited our church for, uh, the first time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, at that point we were, uh, we were, we just started probably for six months and we weren't really on top of everything. And this guy, for some reason, we weren't able to witness him that day. Mm-hmm. And my dad, uh, I don't know if he heard the gospel from my dad either. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next week, he ended up dying. And it was wow. kind of sad because, you know, we had an opportunity to witness to this guy that we didn't sure. know was going to die the next sure. week. So, yeah, there's just moments like that that mm-hmm. was kind of sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have your highs and mm-hmm. then you have your lows. Yeah, it's definitely mm-hmm. been great. Oh, yeah. And through those moments... How did it affect your relationship with God and how you trusted him? Yeah. I mean, for me, um, it was always, you know, there here and there, but mm-hmm. uh, definitely I could not tell you what my life would be right now if I didn't uh, follow my parents into this um, because sure. what they taught me and they taught my, my sisters definitely gave us a different perspective on life to where uh, people are, people's salvation is so much more important than, you know, living in a country where everything is, you know, is there for you as opposed to living in a country where you basically have nothing. Sure. And that's a huge thing that we learned. And Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I, I would be without that. Yeah. I think being there God became more real to us as a family, mm-hmm, sure. you know? Yeah. And I think we got to see who God really is and sure. what, like, the God that I serve, what does he really do for his people, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think for him, for me, um, after, obviously, when I first got there, I didn't like it. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to have anything to do with church and stuff. And like I've told other people before too, I threw my Bibles away. Sure. I didn't pray for over a year and a half. Um, didn't want to even read the Bible. Didn't want to even pray. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to hear anything about the Lord. But little by little, the more I said, like, how can God be good? Mm-hmm. How can he be a good God if I'm seeing kids here with nothing when I have something? How can sure. God still be good if people are begging for food when I have food? Mm-hmm. And how can people, how can God be so good if everything around me is like what? Nothing, right? Yeah. Like you ba- basically, it, I felt like we had everything and everybody around us had nothing. Yeah. So how could God be so good? Yeah. You know? And I think the more I asked God that, the more he showed me how real he is. And the more he showed me, mm-hmm. you know, you know what? I'm the God who still provides for that family who has nothing. I'm still sure. the one who provides for those kids over there who have no clothes, but yet the clothes they're wearing right now, I provided that, you know, yeah. and just things like that. And I remember with my dad, he, he, 
he would always show me to give God everything. He basically gave everything we had to mm -hmm. other people, even yeah. the shirt off his back, even all of our money. Yep. And somehow when we wouldn't have food in the fridge, all of a sudden one of our members would come over and be <laughs> like, Hey, we had a birthday party. Yeah, sure. um, do you want our leftover food? And my dad would be like, see, sure. th yeah. this, you think God's going to leave mm -hmm. us? No. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, he taught us you know, so many things, especially I'm like sure. nothing of like, we don't own anything. But when we give it all to him, you know, he he wasn't afraid. There was many moments where me and my sister knew that what my dad was doing, he could, he'd probably he could probably die. You know, there's mm -hmm. many moments where um, he was willing to you know risk his life for these people, mm -hmm. and that definitely changed our lives. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. Wow, <clears throat> that's that's a lot, but that's it, it's great to see mm -hmm. how you know you're. You're on the mission field. You know, Satan is attacking you. Yeah. He's going to make try and tempt you to think wrong thoughts, be ungrateful, not pray, whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you have, I know, your father to thank your mother and, uh, and of course, God himself. And you're able to, to see his power through all of that. And that's that's just really cool. If someone were to tell you that they wanted to go to the mission field and maybe a similar situation to where maybe they even have children that were around your age, what advice that you've gotten, what do you think would be useful to them? Maybe something they wouldn't think about until they got there. What do you think would be useful information, useful advice for missionaries, even young missionaries going into the mission field? Um, I'd say to uh, to go into it with, um, with all your cards on the table, you know, don't hold back. It, sure. it might be scary, but yeah. if you're willing to do that and not be afraid. Sure. No, like you will be afraid, but you know, it's, yeah. if you're willing enough to follow him, then that'll get you places, um, in his, in, yeah, in the ministry. What well, what's something that you would specifically, maybe even if you could go back in time and tell 12 and 13 year old <laughs> Sam or Sarah, what would you say to them about what they're about to go through and how they can be better prepared for it? I'd say, listen to advice. Sure. Yeah. I didn't listen to very much advice. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I'd say... Expect the worst mm -hmm. and expect the best. Sure. You know, yeah. I don't know how to say that, but. Well, the worst being. Like, the worst, like. As far as like situation. Yeah, like situation wise, you'll never, like I, I never expected we would be put in situations we were put in. Sure. But then I never expected the, the best things that happened yeah. to us there. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. But I think if I were to go to go and tell other kids that were our age at that time that are going to the mission field, I'd say, you know, you just have to hold on to God because sure. you're going to go in for something that's like sure. <laughs> crazy, yeah. but yeah. it's worth it. And yeah. I tell them to just enjoy it a little bit. Sure. Don't be too emotional like I was. Sure, sure. Yeah, if you're going to go into to treacherous <laughs> waters, you want a foundation that you can hold on to. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be wavering away from God in those moments. You're going mm -hmm. to hold fast. So being there... How did people look at you? Because you guys, is, your parents are Filipino. You guys don't, you know, necessarily stand out as far as maybe your face and your looks. But being a missionary family, being people know who you are. They know what you do. How are you looked at in that regard? Well, I know for a fact that I didn't even know it at times that people were actually looking to me and my siblings as examples. Sure. Like, because they didn't have, unlike... To where um, where we are right now at our church, mm -hmm. there's like 
everybody is friends with everybody and there's so many good influences everywhere mm -hmm. but we were basically the only godly influence that they had sure um once or twice a week and they were actually looking up to us and small things that we did like if we fought in front of them mm -hmm. me and my siblings it like you know they were like whoa i didn't know that you guys <laughs> did that yeah. kind of thing you know so sure. it was like it was it was it was nice to be an example or to be looked at as a, sure. a role model but, but also pressure. yeah it's a lot of pressure mm -hmm. to um yeah to yeah. be a good example sure i'm sure you had moments where you did something that you might even thought was normal but then mm -hmm. other people were judging you for it yeah because yeah. Of, of the title you hold mm -hmm. as missionaries yeah and they would say it was hard one thing that was kind of hard for me was like because um i was uh, i discipled a bunch of boys in the philippines sure. uh you know that that were from bad homes and stuff and they would always tell me hey you know uh you shouldn't be doing that because your pastor's kids and i'm like well i mean you're a christian too right i'm christian too we sure. should but it is true you know people hold us to higher standards because we are the example sure. so yeah it was kind of something you know sure mm -hmm. you felt that pressure too yeah or and i felt like people thought we were rich because yeah. we were from yeah. America, but, but really, yeah, my, our dad yeah. had to work three jobs to uh -huh. get there. Sure. Yeah, he and, was really good mm -hmm. at um, being frugal. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I can imagine, like, you're going to be blessed with support as missionaries. God's going to provide, but you're not living the same lifestyle mm -hmm. as yeah. people here in America. Yeah. And so, mm -hmm. if you're telling people who are about to go into the mission field, you're probably reminding them, like, hey... You're not having the same comfortable lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You can attest to that, right? Yeah. yeah. Didn't take a warm shower for three years, maybe. And then we went to a hotel one time. Yeah, and then so there was hot water. Hot water. Like, but oh. I mean, like, at that point, <laughs> you want hot water. I mean, you're so sure. used to being in cold water. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So what would you say is your biggest takeaway from this whole experience going to the Philippines, being there for how many years? How many years were you there? I was there for five. Five years. And I was there for six. And there, yeah. you were there for six. Mm -hmm. For those years, what would you say is just your biggest takeaway from all of that? Um, is to give him everything, you know, none of this. Uh, I kind of forget sometimes since I live in the United States right now while I'm in college mm -hmm. of how blessed we are with all of everything, you know, food and sure. shelter, clothing. Um, I kind of forget about what I experienced. Sure. Um but what the biggest thing that I can take away from everything that I experienced was that to give him my all, no matter what it is, no matter if I if I have food on the table or mm -hmm. if um, I have a car to drive or if I have, uh, you know, new clothes to wear. Sure. It doesn't matter as much as um, the souls that are being saved and sure. the souls that we can reach out to. Sure. So, Sarah, for you, what would you describe as your big takeaway from your whole experience in the Philippines? If you could describe it in just a few statements what would you say is kind of the biggest thing that sticks in your mind um i think don't be afraid to serve god don't be afraid sure. to give him your all sure because you'll be taken care of yeah absolutely i think that's a lot of a lot of young people struggle with that mm -hmm. like i don't want to serve god it, it's gonna take away my comfort or mm -hmm. my dreams mm -hmm. but you yeah. guys probably wouldn't you know, not only are you serving God, you're serving God in a country that doesn't have all the conveniences. Mm -hmm. You're serving God in a country where you're not familiar with everything. But you yourself can say, don't be afraid of that either. Because mm -hmm. God will take care of you. Yeah. That's awesome. So to close, 
what is in store for the future now? Obviously, you're back here in America. You're adults. You can make decisions. You can do whatever you want. But considering how you've been impacted, what does the future now hold for you? I'll start with you, Sam. Um, right now, um, the plan is right now I'm currently engaged. So awesome. um, after I get married uh, to my fiance, we're planning on uh, moving back to the Philippines. Um and uh helping my dad out again and uh yeah we, my dad and i have been talking about a bunch of plans that we are uh we want to work on and stuff sure. and yeah well yeah that's, that's the plan so far i don't have very much sure that i've uh so it's not of, to stay here start a, start nah, a tech company you know i i've that. always like yeah like we have all had dreams but i let go of those dreams back a long time ago sure but yeah because you see the need mm-hmm. that's awesome sarah yeah. what about you um, well, mine is the same thing, <clears throat> except now I'm married. So me and Nathan are planning on going to the Philippines next June sure. to help my dad out too. So Sure. Yep. And you guys are, most people, they, they make their decisions on what makes me happy or what is my dream or what, what do I want to get out of this life? You guys aren't thinking that way. You guys mm-hmm. are thinking, where does God need me and where can I be useful? Yeah. When you first went, I can imagine that you might have been ready to pack things up and go back, right? Mm-hmm. The yeah. first hour. Which, yeah. When did it was kind of hard. <laughs> My guess is something changed and you decided you wanted to stay. When, when did that happen? I mean, it happened to me. Um, I don't know exactly when, but uh, it was when I had seen how much my dad um, was willing to do for these people. Sure. And then when I decided I wanted to do that too, mm-hmm. when I, when I, when I decided that mm-hmm. it just changed my whole perspective. Sure. And yeah, I, I couldn't think of another person who's influenced my perspective more than my dad. Okay. I think it, it's a great lesson for not just people who are young, but people who are old when they make their decisions, are, are they making it based on what they want? Mm-hmm. Or are they making their decisions based on, seeing the things that you guys have seen and saying, you know what, it's not the best situation. It's not the most convenient. Mm-hmm. It's not the most mm-hmm. comfortable, but I'm going to run to it. Yeah. That's what you guys are doing. Yeah. And that's, and, I think that's in an the awesome long thing. run, you're the happiest. Yeah. Too. It's funny because, um, sometimes you don't even realize it that, uh, when you give him your all, sometimes he gives you your dream too. Like, sure. Yeah. I always wanted to be a filmmaker. Sure. That's like been my dream ever since I was like, sure. Young. And, and now, like in college, he's a tech he, producer for this show. <laughs> yeah, I work with Sean. Yeah, yeah. I, I film for but him. But you also do stuff. Yeah, I do stuff for YouTube. I don't do it full time because I sure. mean, yeah, I don't, I don't need to. But mm-hmm. um, it's I've learned so much in filmmaking and editing that sure. like I've always wanted to know. I always wondered how they did it. Sure. And like he gave me, you know, sure. an opportunity that I didn't even see, think that I would get sure. um, out of giving my life to him. So sure. would I'm you say sure that, that's what, that God's yeah. blessed you for following him? Yeah. yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's and awesome. he's given way more than I deserve. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's been fantastic to interview you guys. I know this is, we know each other very well. But sit down in this setting to really discuss these things. It's, it's, it's awesome. Even for someone like me, I know a lot of your guys' stories. But I think for me and for everyone listening and watching, I, I, it's just awesome to hear the impact that, that the situations that, that God has placed in your life, your struggle, but then eventual submission 
and how that all worked out. And ultimately, how many people can you even imagine have been impacted through the simple decision that your family made? Probably mm-hmm. hundreds, thousands yeah. of people. Will you make it sound a little bit better? Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But, but of course, God is the orchestra. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, for yep. sure. Mm-hmm. And that's an awesome thing. Well, we like to do something on the show. Uh, we always ask every person we interview, whether it's in studio or not, two questions. First being, what's your favorite color? And where's the best place to eat in Chicago? Sam or Sarah? Well, yeah, Sarah, what's your favorite color? Black. Black. Of course, Sam. <laughs> I used to think it was green, but uh-huh. then my eyes told me different, and now it's blue. What? Yeah, honestly, it's so funny because I I would always claim that I like green, oh. but now it's blue. I hear blue all yeah. the time. That's it's funny. just something that black. See, I hear black blue all the time on this boy. <laughs> Usually, when I hear black, is because that cer- that certain person is wearing yeah. all black at that moment. Um, yeah. Do you guys have a best place to eat in Chicago? Uh, Panda. Of course, Panda. I like to eat. My favorite place, <laughs> the best place to eat for me is the place where you only spend a dollar. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I don't so have a lot of money. McDonald's. Yes. Mcdonald's. McDonald's can oh, be pretty or good. Stan's Donuts. Stan's Donuts in Chicago. Wait, are we, well, 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 I guess if Actually, we're talking expensive, though. Where's a good place that's expensive? Oh, P.F. Chang's. I love P.F. Chang's. Yes, Chang. Oh, P.F. Yeah. Chang's is good. Yeah. None of those places are actually, you know, solely in Chicago. From, yeah. But that's <laughs> oh, really? That's oh. fine. Let's do Just something kidding. fun. Let's do something fun. They don't know we're going to do this, but we've got other people. It's a time for debt free screams. And uh, we can ask them some questions. So, Sam, you have a significant other. Cheyenne, come on. Uh, oh, uh, yes. We embarrass people on the show. That's what we do. <laughs> So, Shane, why don't you sit by Sam? <laughs> okay. Or, yeah, Sam, you sit down and get Shane in the chair. Okay. Shane, what's your favorite color? It's pink. Pink. And then where's the best place to eat in Chicago for you? I like Panda. Panda. See? Fair enough. See? Same thing. <laughs> Nate, we got to get you out here. Sarah, your husband's here. Hey, I'm going to move. Yeah. No, you guys stay in the frame, though. Okay. Yeah. What? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Nate, Sarah, you can, um... you can figure it We'll figure it out. Oh, it's wow. Okay. We're doing random stuff here because that's what we do. Nate, <laughs> where's the best place to eat in Chicago? I don't get to answer my ask my favorite color. I'll ask you that afterwards. Sometimes uh, I change up the order. I don't. I've listened to your show. I don't leave ever change uh, the shut order. Shut up. Shut up. All right. Um, I didn't think of that yet. That's why I want the other one. You don't know favorite plate. I would probably say Luminati's. I'm gonna be honest. That's probably our most common answer. It's sure. good. That's why. What's your favorite color? Green. Green. And it's always been green. My oh, eyes yeah, did not change that. He's lying. Some people's <laughs> eyes don't change. So anyway. Well, favorite. that's everyone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Girl, get oh, over Julia, here. Come on. Come over here. It's the party. No, Julia, come on. <laughs> come on. No, you don't. I didn't get to say no. And uh, Julia, come on. Ooh, this is, of course, my wife. She's <laughs> my number one consultant. Any idea I have. Here, you you can sit here. Assistant director. Oh. <laughs> I'll use this. Yeah. Sean, we never get to ask you this, but what's your favorite color? So, yeah, good question. So my favorite color <laughs> I forgot you have is um, <laughs> blue because of Blue's Clues. Yeah. So okay. I know that's I know uh, that's normal. They see for a reason for it. Mm-hmm. It's normal. Sure. And what is your favorite place to eat in Chicago? <laughs> my favorite place to eat in Chicago. Uh, it's a good question. The, go. <laughs> the ramen shop. Uh, the ramen shop. <laughs> probably Chinatown. There's a place in Chinatown. I forget the name. You like but... Chinatown? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The place in Chinatown I don't know the name of. That's just my favorite. And he only gets Julia, nice. what's your favorite color? Purple. Purple. And then uh, where's the best place to eat in Chicago for you? 
Portillo's. Portillo's. Oh, I've heard nice. that. I've heard that. Well, here, let me get down here. To all of us who uh, have a heart for the Philippines, but uh, and uh, of course, um, all of us, we're, we're very blessed by uh, uh, each other. I would say, <laughs> in various ways. And so, in our, in our own way. We're sort of a family here, but we want to thank you, the viewers, uh, for listening, listening to our stories. And uh, we thank you for your prayers. And uh, thank you for prayers for this show, for our different ministries. Uh, of course, you know who you are, our friends and family. And uh, from all of us to you, we want to say thank you. It's been a great, fun time. And uh, we're going to close with that. So why don't we all just end by saying thanks for watching. We'll just say a three, two, one, and we'll do that. Yeah. Okay, three, two, one. Thanks, thanks for watching. Now, before we end the episode, we still have one more thing to talk about. And of course, that is the gospel, which is what we talk about on every show. We want to make sure everyone who listens and watches Questions for Chicago knows for sure where they're going when they die. And it's really simple. To start out, you have to understand that you're a sinner. But it's okay, because I am too. We're all sinners. No one is born perfect. No one lives a perfect life. The only problem is, with our sin, we cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's what the Bible says. That is what the truth is. But here's the good news. We can't, on our own, make it to heaven by our own good works. But that is the beauty of what God did for us. God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins. He paid the price. He paid the debt that you owed because you're a sinner. And of course, with your sin, you can't go to heaven. Well, God loves you. He does not want you to go to hell. And he made that payment available to you through Christ's payment on the cross. And the only thing you have to do to receive it is believe. That's what the Bible says. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So whoever you are, whatever you've done in the past, whatever race, gender, doesn't matter. God loves you and the gift of salvation is available to you. And if you have not believed in what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross, simply do that right now. The Bible says the moment that you believe, you have eternal life. 1 John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. That is the gospel, and that is what we want to leave you with right now. 